Well, church, let me ask you something. Are you excited to be here? Okay, do you do realize that excitement and energy at church is a good thing? Amen. So if you're happy in the Lord, let me hear you say amen. Amen. See, that was okay. That was decent, okay? But here's the issue with it, okay? We got a lot of space between you and I, so I can't really hear you very well. So if you're happy in the Lord, say amen. 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 Listen, last night I preached a message um, and it, it was it was it was a lot going on in that message. But I realized I was thinking, man, I just feel like it wasn't hitting. I'm just being honest, everybody. I just feel like it wasn't hitting like it should have. I just feel like maybe it was something I, I figured out what it was. You want to know what it was? I forgot my hanky. But now I got my hanky tonight. Amen. And again, hey, brother, I, remind me your name, brother. Joe, Brother Joe, when you singing that song, I was thinking, man, that is absolutely awesome what God has done tonight. Uh, because when you talk about the valleys, I, that's exactly what I will be speaking on tonight in 1 Peter. Uh, so in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, I'm going to be preaching a message tonight titled, Through the Fire. Through the Fire. Uh, and I say that because of this, just like Brother Joe, when he was singing, life is not always on the mountaintop. Life is not always going to be a collection of awesome and good events going on in our life, in our everyday uh, living and lifestyles. Life is not always going to be successes. Life is not always going to be enjoyable. Life, there are going to be trials and valleys in our life. You got the prosperity gospel people that say, hey, give your life to Christ and everything will be okay. Give your life to Christ and and your mortgage will be paid and your electric bill will be paid. You just plant a thousand dollar seed and and everything will be okay. Let me just tell you something to to partake in the salvation of Christ and the fellowship of Christ. You must partake in the crucifixion crucifixion of Christ. Therefore, we are to suffer for Christ. We are going to go through valleys. And if you're in 1 Peter chapter 4, I want to just read you through a few scriptures here. In verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also at exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And then it tells us how not to suffer. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, remember last night if you were here, we are in Romans chapter 1. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He knew who he was. He knew who his Savior was, and he was not ashamed of him. If I'm going to suffer, let me suffer as a Christian. He said, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin in us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Now, I'm going through a lot of scriptures tonight, so I need you to listen uh, very quickly with me. Because we're going to be focusing on verse 19 tonight. When we focus on verse 19. And if you're looking at it, it says, wherefore, let them that suffer 
Now, if you think, well, that's not me, you, you obviously did not read the scripture that, I, that we just read together. As a believer, we are going to suffer. So wherefore, let them to suffer according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. I'm preaching the message entitled Through the Fire. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for your word. And Lord God, I ask you as I preach, God, you allow me to preach with power clarity and freedom tonight lord god i pray those that have ears to hear let them hear and it's in jesus name we pray amen sometimes preaching you can be preaching and you feel like the the crowd is not kind of kind of going with you and and it was like someone said hey what do you call a a dog with no legs and people say well you know ground beef whatever well it doesn't really matter what you call a dog with no legs because the dog isn't going to come amen so a lot of times when we when, when I preach the, the message, uh, for some reason, uh, people evidently with, with whatever's going on in their life or maybe their sin in life, whatever it is. I, I just pray tonight that we can understand that this is a very unique opportunity tonight to be in the house of God, to hear the word of God with the people of God. It, this is unique to where we are. People, there's people across the nation, across the country in foreign countries that cannot do this, but yet we can. We ought not take it for granted so tonight we talk about let let, let them that suffer who is verse 19 speaking to well speaking to the same in verse 12 it says beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you so when we get to verse 19 it says wherefore let them that suffer according to god's will that is the born again believers this is speaking to us those who will suffer for the sake of christ But here is where we're going to get to tonight, right here. If you look at the word commit, wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit. See, this is the Greek word, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to make you repeat it so I don't sound as silly. It's paratithami. Everyone say paratithami. Amen, that was pretty good, actually. That's good stuff, church. Hey, y'all know Greek now, you know what I'm saying? But see, that word commit in the Greek means it doesn't just means to trust or to entrust yourself. But here it gives the meaning to deposit. We have deposited the keeping of our souls to our faithful creator. The church nowadays does not understand the concept of commitment to God. You say, why do you say that, Jacob? Well, if we did, we would never have to beg for helpers. If, if we did, numbers would always go up and they would never go down. If we did, the culture of quitting in the church would be gone. If we did, us as a church would understand that, that 10% of the people doing 90% of the work is not how God purposed the church to do. The saddest thing in the world is people that truly want to uh, obey God and truly want to serve God get used and abused by the church because no one else is willing to work. Can I tell you something? You better be willing to work if you're saved. You know, Jesus was willing to to do the the work of salvation for us. And let me just tell you something. It was some bitter work. It was some hard work. Just around 33 years of, of fulfilling the entire law. Church, fulfilling all the law. 33 years of fulfilling the entire law, then then being falsely accused, having to deal with all the gossip and all the drama and and all the trouble and all the and all just the everything that went along with it. Then finally being accused to the point to where they cried out to crucify him, went to Calvary, died on the cross for our sins, rose again the third day. Let me just tell you something. Christ suffered for our sins. We can suffer for him. 
And by the way, you say, well, are you saying that working for Christ is suffering? Absolutely not. See, first John says that, hey, if we love him, then obeying his commandments will not be grievous. Folks, if you love Jesus, you ought not have to be forced to obey him. But for some reason, the church just for some reason today, they, they they're so burdened. They come into church and they think, man, and, and maybe that's not us. Maybe maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, I love church. I love going to church. Well, I just want to tell you right now, just going to church is not what God saved you for. Amen. You're going to have to come on with something. Okay, I got the hanky. I can throw it around if I need to. But you're going to have to start listening. Going to church is not why we were delivered from our sins. The church is a gift to us, the blood-bought church, so therefore we can come together, get trained in the word, fellowship with other believers, uh, edify one another, therefore go out of the church and bring that same exact culture, that same exact belief, that same exact doctrine and obedience to the lost world. That's why the church is here. So what is so special about this deposit? Well, you do understand the best deposits made are those that are uh, uh, first off secure. I don't know about you, but I'll never forget uh, my sister's here, Chloe. She's right there. Chloe, raise your hand. Oh, she's embarrassed. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. For some reason, my sister's a shy. I don't get it. But I'll never forget, you know, uh, when we were growing up, we had um, allowances. Now, you may be a parent that don't believe in allowances. I'm just glad you weren't my parents. You know what I'm saying? Because I like allowances. Right, I'd mow the yard or do this or do that, and, and my, my dad would give me 20 bucks a week. And let me just tell you something. When you're like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, 20 bucks a week is some big money. You know what I'm saying? Like You're like, hey, I'm rolling in it. But either way, I'll never forget uh, w- when I was a kid, I would deposit uh, my, my, my money just anywhere. Like I'd put it under the mattress or I'd put it in, I'd put it, you know, in the drawer or whatever it is. If you actually want to steal from me, it would not be difficult. But I never I never forget when uh, one time we were wanting to go out to eat and uh, the parents pulled that thing. Well, if you pay for it yourselves, well, I'll take you to Los Compadres. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? Like you supposed to be parents. Like y'all supposed to pay for everything. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, Chloe, we need to go to Los Compadres. She says, well, I ain't paying. And I don't know if you remember this. And, and, and I said, well, Chloe, you know, contribute. I'll put some money in. You put some money in. We'll, we'll have a good time with this. We'll go get some quesadillas. We'll go get some queso. You know what I'm saying? We'll have a good old time. I said, Chloe, how much money do you have? And she said, well, she said, you know, just, you know, not, not a little. <laughs> do you remember that? You probably don't remember this. She was so young. Listen, she was so young when she told me the number. She said, I said, Chloe, you're going to tell me how much money you got. Because we may not be going to Los Compadres. We might go to like Maggiano's or something. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere nice. She said, I got about, I don't know, 1500 to $2,000. I was like, what in the world? I'm sitting there working with like $45.72. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's do something about it. But listen, hey, it's easy. I say that to say when we're kids and we're, we, we would never nowadays, I would never take all my money and all the finances that I have and just stuff it under my mattress. That's not what we do. We go and we safely securely deposit our money. If we're so worried about depositing our finances, why don't we understand that when we work for the Lord, when we serve Jesus, when we, when we commit ourselves and deposit the keeping our souls to him and well-doing, we are depositing our life in a secure investment. Amen. And it says it right here. You say, well, how is it so secure? Well, look at where, who we're securing it to. Look at who we're depositing. It says we have a faithful creator. I'm just here to tell you tonight, God is worthy of our trust. I can tell you one thing also. 
In five years of preaching, I've been let down by a lot of people. I've been, I've been let down by, I've been disappointed. I've been upset by a lot of people. But Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, has never, not one time disappointed me. Not one time let me down. Even when I felt like it wasn't what I wanted, I knew after a while I went away that it was what I needed. And that's awesome. But Paul emphasizes this. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed deposit unto him against that day. That committed word is the same word here in 1 Peter chapter 4, meaning to deposit. Church, think back on 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, I I love this scripture. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Folks, to those who are born again, we are reserved and we are kept. That means we are not just guarded, but we are watched. Folks, let me just tell you something. When you love, when you, if you've ever had a child, and I shared this uh, Sunday with, with Cedar Grove, my church. If you've ever had a child, and we have an 18-month-old daughter. If you weren't here last night, her name's River Brooke. She's the cutest child that's ever walked this earth outside of Jesus Christ himself. I'm telling you right now, she is just absolutely adorable. But I'm telling you, uh, if you, if you, I love her so much. I want to guard her so much that in guarding her, I find myself watching her. So if she's about to fall, I, I, I immediately go to try to catch her. If she's about to maybe try to walk where she shouldn't walk or go up the stairs, whatever it is, I'm watching her so I can guard her. God does the exact same thing. That doesn't mean that we're not going to experience valleys. That doesn't mean that we're not going to experience tribulations and trials. But what that means is that our inheritance, our salvation is guarded, watched, kept and reserved for us. By the power of God. Let me just tell you again tonight. I'm going to be telling you a lot of things. I don't know if you know that or not. Let me just tell you. But but God's power cannot be overwhelmed. To those who are born again, we are reserved and we are kept. I want you to know that to deposit your life to God is the safest, most secure decision you can ever make. This word commit is completely contrary to how we live out our commitment in the church. Folks, it is not just a one-time ordeal. It is not just a one-time action. It is a continued mindset. The admonition literally means here, conveys in the message, be constantly committing. It is easy to commit one time. Uh, we, we see it all the time in the church. People come in, they get involved, and all of a sudden life gets too busy. The work gets too hard. Church is no longer what they should call fun, or, 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 and, and, they, and they don't enjoy it as much. So they say, well, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back. I'm going to take a break. You never get to retire from being a Christian. I was talking to my brother right here, and he told me he was 81 years old. Let me just say, he's still serving the Lord. Brother, keep on keeping on because you're not done. You say, well, when do I get done? When you see Jesus face to face. That's when you get done. When he calls you home, that is when your job is completed. Your work is finished. But until then, we are to continuously commit to him. I've seen it also. People come down to the altar. 
they, they give their life to Christ and they get all emotional. And, and listen, emotions are fine, but emotions can be very distracting. I want you to understand that when you decide to follow Christ, it, it, it doesn't have to be an emotional decision. It has to be a decision. It has to be a, a it has to be a, in your mind, in your heart. You are deciding that you are going to follow Christ. When I got born again, I was 18 years old. It was a revival. Brother Rick Corum was preaching a revival and I had gone down and, and got saved a few times. And listen, hey, I don't believe that you can get saved multiple times. I believe that makes a mockery of Calvary. So it wasn't that I had gotten saved, but I had made an emotional decision, a head knowledge decision each and every time or rededicated this. But I never truly followed and received Christ. But at 18 years old, I went down to the altar. He preached the message. I couldn't tell you what it was about. I knew it was about God's word. But I went down and, and I knew beyond a shadow of doubt God was telling me through his Holy Spirit convicting my heart if you don't get saved tonight you're not going to get saved because I had said no time and time and time again faked it lied about it time and time again and that night there was no tears in my eyes there, there, there was no emotion I wasn't running around saying oh my goodness oh my goodness let me just tell you what happened no someone said hey what happened Jacob I said I just gave my life to Christ it was a decision And that first commitment I made, listen, hey, it didn't stop there. Each and every day since then, I've had to get up and commit myself to the Lord. Commit myself to the Lord. You know why God's word says to continually commit? Because we get distracted so easy. We get busy so easy. But so many people, they they make this one-time commitment and then they skip on out. I've seen it time and time again. Obviously, they do not understand God's word. Verse 19 says, wherefore, let them to suffer according to the will of God. Commit, deposit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Peter is telling the church that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of fiery trials, commit. Yet here in our in our luxury and pamperness, we skip out on God because we don't have time or we're too busy or or we just need more family time. I don't know if you have people in the church that say that. Well, you know, Sunday is the only time we get to see our family. I, I want to tell you, your family needs more God time. Period. My daughter will grow up going to church because that's where she needs to be. Be constantly committing. Well, how do we do this? You told us what we need to do, preacher. So how, how do we actually do this? Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. There you go. Okay, you're back. God's word answers that question. Verse 19 says that we're to commit the keeping of, their, of our souls, their souls, to him in well-doing. See, as we return evil for good, or as we return good for evil, sorry, as we serve God through the suffering, as we suffer for doing good, we are committing ourselves to God. It is an ongoing process, not that we work to stay kept or reserved, but rather because we have a faithful creator, we live a well-doing life. We don't work for salvation, we work because of salvation. And God's word penetrates every aspect of our lives. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. For a person to not constantly commit themselves in well-doing is a person who has a lack of belief in his word. Because if you don't think that he, that he is a worthy investment, if you don't think that he can securely keep your soul, then, then you, of course you wouldn't serve him. It's easy to lose track when we don't see the results. Folks, I am a result-driven kind of person. Is anyone here a result-driven kind of person? Like, you want to see the results. 
Right. Like when we have an event at the church, I want to see more people in the pews. That's that's kind of and I get trapped in that. But so often when we serve Christ, when we serve God, we don't see the result immediately. So therefore we think, well, this is all in vain. I'm going to give up. There's no use in it. And we don't understand that even if we never see the harvest in this life, we'll see it through the glory revealed in the next. See, unsaved people live life controlled by their past. Aren't you glad that we don't have to live according to our past? I don't know about you, and we said this, we said this a little bit last night, but we don't ha- there's a lot of people with a lot of past, but you don't have to live by it. Their future, the unsaved people, their future to them is unknown and uncertain. Therefore, they cling to the past. But, but we know the end of, of the lost person, but they refuse to acknowledge it. But praise God that, that we know how we can live. We have a present that is controlled by our future. Everything we do is going to be an investment and a deposit for the glory that will be revealed later on. So why and how do you think the believers before us were able to serve God even while going through so much suffering? I mean, but think about Paul. I'm going to turn there real quick in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. It says this in verses 12 through 14. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are able to press toward the mark because there is a prize and that prize is the glory that we will see in jesus Amen. folks i know that this has been a very busy year or two for this church i've, I've talked to to uh to nick quite a bit and and i've been praying for you and i know that that was a a very intense uh, uh trial that you went through i know that it, it took a lot of faith to do what y'all did and i, I don't know how sensitive it is to talk about I, I just whatever whatever you know what i'm saying uh, they may never invite me back but hey i, I love being here while i was here you know what i'm saying but I'll tell you this much, hey, we can sit here at Bethlehem Church and dwell in the past and dwell in the, in, in, in the failures possibly. Because, hey, I don't know about you, but Cedar Grove Baptist Church has failures. I guarantee this church does too because we're an imperfect people. But you can, you can sit as a church and think, man, we used to do this or we used to do that or, 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 or this tradition or that tradition. Paul, Paul wasn't into that kind of mess. Paul said, I'm going to forget about that which is behind and I'm going to press forward the prize that is Christ Jesus. That is what we ought to do as a church. Keep on moving forward. Folks, if we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. I shouldn't have to be forced to serve him. I know that my deposits will bring forth eternal dividends. Our service to Christ is a wise investment. It brings me to mind Jeremiah 32. And I'm not going to read it. I'm going to summarize it for you. But see, Jeremiah 32 uh, because of Israel's disobedience and because of their idolatry, uh, God allowed them to be put in captivity. Uh, Babylon had come in and, and, and taken over. The, the enemy of, of God's people have come and taken over uh, their land. And, 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 and what happened was a piece of land uh, came up for redemption. And what that means is somebody could have paid the price for that land. So in other, when you pay for land, you redeem that land. You, you pay for it. You, you, you obtain it. You have possession of it. 
And that happened. So, so Jeremiah, in faith, even though the, 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 the enemies was in the land, he knew that God promised that he would bring them out of captivity and bring them back to the glory and exaltation of his people when they came back to him. So he made an investment. He bought a little plot of land. And the only thing about that land was is that on that land that he bought, enemies were occupying at that time. In other words, it'd be like buying some of these, these little lands right here that we've been talking about and, and not being able to use it, not even being able to go near it. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's kind of silly. How are you going to buy something you cannot utilize in that moment? How are you going to buy something that, that, you can't, that you don't have any use for? Well, see, Jeremiah was making an investment. Jeremiah knew what God's promises were. So he bought the land knowing one day they were going to be able to gather in that land again as God's people and celebrate God taking them out of that captivity. So we bought the land and in our life right now today, as we live for Christ, we may think, man, if I make this investment, it's not going to do any good. If I share the gospel with that person, I've done it time and time again. They're not coming to Christ. If I keep praying for that person, I've prayed for him for years. Nothing has happened. I'm just going to give up and give in and just sit in my pew, listen to the word and not do anything else. Folks, listen. That's not a wise investment. A wise investment is living your life out in faith. When God says do something, you do it. When you when you read the word and and God gives us his will and his word right here, you obey it. By the way, God honored his promise to bring them back and restore the land. It didn't happen overnight, but it wasn't easy. But Jeremiah in faith to God committed his everything, knowing his future was secure. Church, that is how we are to live our lives here on earth, constantly committing ourselves in well-doing. Will we get tired? Has he, have you ever been tired? I tell you, I've been tired. Have you ever been frustrated? I've been frustrated. Uh, you, if, 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 I, the old preacher said one time that you're either uh, coming out of a storm, in a storm, or about to go through a storm. Folks, that's how life as a Christian is. So we're going to suffer, absolutely, but we have a faithful creator who knows us and knows what we need. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, they asked me, they said, hey, uh, what, what scripture do you want? Because I went to a Christian academy. And they said, what, what scripture do you want uh, to put on your little screen when you graduate? I said, Galatians 6, verse 9. And, and back then it just kind of sounded good. And I think my youth pastor preached on it, you know, and it was like, oh, that's my favorite scripture ever. But man, ever since I've actually served Jesus and been living for him, this scripture has come alive so much. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to read out of verse 8 first. It says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. Verse 9 is so beautiful. And let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith i don't know about you church but i want to see this church grow i'm talking about bethlehem church I want to see Bethlehem Church absolutely bust through the seams. I want you to have to start thinking about the dreaded building project. I want, I want you to have to start worrying, thinking about being concerned. I want you to have those problems that you walk in and it's a problem that stresses you out, but you love being stressed by it. You know what I'm talking about? But folks, the only way that can happen is if you keep on serving. 
The only way that can happen is if you keep on keeping on. The only way you can, that can happen is if you keep committing yourself. You keep depositing your life to Christ, knowing that, hey, I'm going to pray for that person one more time. I'm going to go witness to that person one more time. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite that person to church one more time. We're going to have one more VBS, and we're going to have one more event. We're going to have one more fellowship, because guess what? God's going to do something with it. It's like when Jesus met Peter in the, in the ocean. After he preached to the people, he said, hey, go out there and cast your nets. Remember what Peter said. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've been out here all night. I'm a professional fisherman. What are you talking about? Master, listen, you got to understand. We've been out here all night. We have not caught one fish. Not one fish have we caught. You know what Jesus said? That's cool, bro. Casting that again. They said, okay, hey, I was just telling you, we haven't caught nothing. But at your word, we will cast the net well, guess what happened when they cast the net? Y'all, do y'all know this story? The, the fishies just started coming up into the net. And it was so, it was so much, it was so much that, that they had to literally call for help from the people passing by to come in. The, the, the net started breaking and they were just going to go home. They were going to give up. They were giving in. They were discouraged. They didn't, they didn't catch any fish, but they followed the word of God and therefore a great harvest came from it. I tell my people at the church all the time, and, and because we have what we call at Cedar Grove, I guess, uh, 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 church fatigue for some reason. People are like, well, I'm so tired of doing all this. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I, I don't want to. If I have to go to the nursery one more stinking time, I'm going to give up on everything. I mean, that's just kind of how everyone thinks. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cast your net one more time. Just one more time. Cast your net. As you're watching that baby, their parents could be getting saved right now. As you're teaching that child, they could they could give their life to Christ. You could be teaching the next pastor of a church. You could be teaching the next deacon of a church. You could be teaching the next Sunday school teacher of a church. You could be teaching somebody who's going to grow up and lead women to Christ in a women's ministry. Don't 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 give up. Continue to commit yourself. Continue to deposit your life to him. Folks, as we go through the fire, we know that we're secured. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when all the other people were bowing down and giving in. Just, just absolutely just saying, you know what, I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to bow down to the golden image. Those three boys said, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to worship him and only him. And guess what? When they went to the fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar made so hot, the people that opened the door dropped dead from the heat. He looked on in. He said, hold on, how many people did we put in there? They said, well, three, sir. He said, hold on, there's four. There's another one. He looks like the son of God. Oh, that's good right there. Listen, folks, as you go through the fiery trials, as you suffer for Christ, just know it's worth it. He is there with you. He is there for you, and he goes before you. So tonight, I just wonder, maybe tonight you've lost hope or you've lost heart. You've given up. I just I want to be if if you haven't heard anything tonight, I want you to understand this. I want to encourage you in the fact of keep on committing yourself. Bethlehem Church, listen, it's been it's been a joy the past five years. And hopefully if I get invited back, it'll be a joy the next next year. But I've seen I have seen uh, small changes. Yes, but changes. I have seen I have seen people that I haven't seen last year. Right. Every year it's the same thing. We've seen people get saved. Now, I don't know if there's anyone here who's lost tonight. And if you're here who's lost, you're about to you're about to be able to have an opportunity to come to Christ tonight. But I I just believe in my spirit that a lot of us here are truly born again.
So the question is this, are you willing to go through the fire and deposit your life to Jesus, our faithful creator? You say, well, what if I don't? I'm about to, I'm, I, I didn't keep you that long last night, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up. I remember the hanky, you know what I'm saying? I preach longer with the hanky. You say, what does it matter? I'm just, if, if I don't witness to that person or if I don't go to that person and share the gospel, what does it matter? Well, you know how we're going to go through the fiery trials? Those fiery trials for Christians are temporary. We're going to go through the fiery trials and, 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 and it's another, it's a whole other message. I'm not going to get to it. But in verse 12, that is a refining process for the church. God allows things to happen to the church to refine them, to purge them, to make sure that all the leaven is gone, all the sin is gone when it comes to the church. Now, yes, we're going to have, we're going to have sin in our lives, but I'm talking about uh, God allows trials to come so that we are refined because it makes us stronger. It makes us have more endurance. It makes us more patient. It makes us better servants of him. But the fiery trials for us believers is temporary. But for the lost people, maybe you have an unsaved person in your family. Maybe you have an unsaved person in your classroom. Maybe you have an unsaved person at your workplace. Let me tell you what kind of fire they're going to get. In 2 Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, this is what it says about, the, about what they're going to get. It says, seeing it, a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled. It said, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who the unsaved people, you know, in your life, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and be admired in all them that believe because a testimony among you is believed in that day. Folks, when you don't deposit your life, when you don't, when you grow weary of well-doing and you don't continuously commit what you're doing, you're saying, I don't care. I don't care about the lost world. I don't care about my unsaved relatives. You have to understand That if they don't know Jesus, when they die, they're going to experience everlasting destruction. And what does that look like from the presence of the Lord? You know why hell is so terrible? People say, oh, well, it's where the the, the fire never goes down and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. that's That's not actually the reason why hell is terrible. That is a symptom of hell. That is what hell is going to be like. But the reason why hell is hell is because in that moment we will be separate. Those that are unsaved, I'm not going to be there. Praise God, I'm being in heaven. Amen. Are you going to be in heaven? They're going to be separated for eternity from the presence of God. You say, I don't even know how that could be. Exactly. Because no one in the world right now is like that. But in hell, those that reject Jesus, those that obey not, and that word obey literally means, if you look at the Greek, it's a beautiful word. That, that word obey is to, at the knock of the door, get up and go see who's knocking. So in other words, to obey not is to hear the knock at the door and to ignore it. In Revelation, Jesus says, hey, behold, I stand knocking. Maybe tonight he's knocking at your door. Maybe tonight the spirit is, is drawing you unto Christ. Hey, I guarantee you one thing. This church, I know Bethlehem Church enough to know this. If someone got saved tonight, we'd celebrate. But tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place. 
all over this place. I'm going to do something for invitation. I, I just want, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wonder if there's anybody here who just by a show of hands, maybe, maybe you've lost heart. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, 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 the valley's gotten too much. Or maybe you, you feel like nothing can ever work. I know I've been talking to, to some people and they say, it's just so hard. Everything is so difficult. It, it is so difficult to grow a church. And I understand that. But it's, such, it's so worth it when you truly see what God can do through you. So maybe you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I just need some help. I need prayer to just continue to commit myself to him. I need to continue to deposit my life and my good works to a faithful creator. If that's you tonight, I just, when heads bowed, eyes closed, just raise your hand so I can pray for you tonight. Is that you? Would you admit that, hey, I need, I, I need to serve him more? Okay, maybe you're here tonight. I'm going to ask another question. Maybe you're here and you have somebody in your life that is not saved. By a show of hands, if you know somebody who's not saved, I just, I just would ask you to just raise your hand for me. If you know someone who's lost, just raise your hand. Hey, you know what would be awesome at this last night of revival in 2021? Is if we were to get broken for those lost people. If we were to get broken, absolutely broken, in prayer, in, 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 in supplication, asking God, pleading with God, begging God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give it up. I think Brother Nick's going to continue it. And Brother Joe's going to sing. And this altar will be open. You can come down and pray for those lost people. Uh, but we'll continue as long as God wants us to. And, it's in G- and we're going to pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, uh, for, this, for your word. I thank you, God, for this crowd, Lord. God, I pray that you just pump us up with, this, with your spirit, Lord. God, I pray that we come into church, God, excited to be at church. God, I, I, I pray that we come to church acknowledging why we're here, Lord. I pray we live each and every day of our life depositing, God, securely depositing our life to you, knowing that each thing that we do, each time we obey your word, each time we share, each time we pray, each time we study, God, we're going to receive eternal dividends. That's not necessarily why we do it. We do it because you are worthy to be served and worthy to be obeyed. But Lord God, it is going to be good one day to to receive that crown. God, and I just ask you, Lord, that as we go into this invitation, that your will, God, is obeyed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Joe.